You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You don't have to be a machine learning engineer to help make the future a smarter place. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Balchunas. Eric, I think three banks have collapsed in one week. That's pretty historic. Yeah. uh, Reminds me of, what is it, 15 years ago at this point? Although, I got to say, it doesn't feel as crazy, and it feels more isolated. And the Fed stepped in very quickly, and that feels good. But yeah, this is a situation, and we have to push aside our scheduled uh, agenda and lineup to cover this for this so people understand what this means as ETF investors when you have some companies kind of blow up. I like that you said situation because maybe not a crisis situation seems for real. Let's consider it that. Uh, What are the ETFs of note that we should be talking about today? Yeah, we're going to explore them. So um, I know we have Katie from Bloomberg News and, and some people from my team on the show today. We all have tried to cover this from different angles. And the situation. That's not a crisis. The situation that's from the Jersey Shore. Uh, anyway, th- <laughs> that aside, we've been trying to cover this from all angles, both Bloomberg News and Bloomberg Intelligence. And if I had to pick one ETF that's just in the crosshairs of this whole thing, it's KRE, which is the regional banking ETF. It's interesting, like every, t- every now and now and then when there is a situation or a crisis, you do tend to find there's an ETF or two that just just hits the spot for this crisis, isn't in the middle of it. And this ETF broke all kinds of volume records. Um, it went down dramatically. The short interest, the options activity, it became the focal point for all kinds of big and small investors who needed to quickly position to deal with this situation. And KRE was just fascinating to watch. There were many other angles to this, but I think we should sort of explore what the ripple effects are when you have a company like this completely just disappear. I mean, it went to zero. And how does that work? How do ETFs adapt? How do people use them? How does it affect the returns? Uh, There's definitely ETF angles all over the place for this. Okay, so to walk us through this maelstorm, we've got James Seyfert with Bloomberg Intelligence, as well as Athanasios Serafagas and Katie Greifeld with Bloomberg News. This time on Trillions, the situation. James, Katie, Athanasios, welcome back to Trillions. Yeah, glad to be back. Welcome back to the situation. Thanks for having me. We've all been talking about the situation for a while, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more now because what I haven't actually talked about with any of you is the what's happening in ETFs. So let's start with KRE, which we teased at the top. James, what the hell has happened? 
Yeah, so Eric Eric did a good job of teasing what happened, but essentially KRE became the center of like everything in the financial universe. I mean, KRE itself had 17 stocks in its portfolio that traded down over 20% on Monday, March 13th in the morning. Uh, tons of them were halted. About 11 names were halted. Um, the, the options activity on this thing went through the roof. Tons of people were buying calls and puts, selling calls and puts, what have you. And the volume broke all kinds of records. And KRE isn't the only regional banking ETF. We're going to get into some of them. There's a lot of bank ETFs. There's a lot of financials ETFs. But the, there's like uh, about six that I really looked at uh, that were regional banking or banking specific that uh, even all of them saw massive increases in volume. There was even a leverage version, which we can dive into a little bit too. But KRE was definitely at the center of this whole storm. Katie, when did you learn about KRE? I learned about KRE. I mean, it's always it's one of those ETFs that I know of, but how many times in my normal working life do I need to like look at the regional banks yeah. ETF? R- mid-sized banks being like yeah. out of nowhere, who are these players? Yeah, like I'm much more familiar with XLF, for example, and then I mean the big brother of KRE, KBE. Uh, which are just broad banking ETFs. So, I mean, KRE, sort of like what we've been talking about, like it feels like when these situations happen or when you have crisis moments, some sort of big moment of upheaval in the market, there's like one ETF that becomes the poster child that everyone is just constantly checking in. For whatever reason, it's KRE, even though, I mean, I know that iShares, for example, has a regional banking ETF as well, but it feels like KRE is... Uh, as we're trying to figure this out on the fly, how much anxiety there actually is. This is sort of the risk appetite monitor. Yeah, one thing to add to what Katie was saying was that um, one of the reasons I think KRE became such the focal point is that all the stocks are equal weighted. So SVB had a nice juicy weighting at 2%. And so it could be used as a surrogate, not only for all the regional banks, but SVB itself. So a lot of uh, institutions and hedge funds, I think, were using this to um, hedge themselves from this situation. And secondly, though, on the flip side, the fact that it was only a 2% weighting, I think speaks to why people like ETFs is that you're diversified. So SVB was down, it looks like 63% in that, you know, in March, basically, but the ETF was down 26%. So you weren't down near, I mean, 26 is really bad for this product, but still, you are protected a bit from single stock risk um, so I think those are two also uh, points to um, you know put put out there in terms of how stocks that go crazy um, can impact ETFs. The one thing that we haven't really touched on is there were you said there was multiple banks that went down. There was also Signature Bank that went down. Yep. Um, so one of the things I looked at is as the one that Katie mentioned, the iShares Regional Banking ETF ticker IAT um, and KRE. They both had. Both of them had exposure to both Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. So IAT actually had a higher weighting at 4.6% for both of them, and KRE had 4.1%. And both of those, I mean, the they're, equities are worthless now. So they're, they're both gone to zero. Um, so if you look at the bonds, their um, Signature Bank is trading at about uh, 19 cents on the dollar for the bonds. And then if you look at the... Um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, they're trading near 50 cents on the dollar, but still that means that the equity is wiped out. So it's a hundred percent loss um, in March, essentially. Um, and yeah, you know, this actually reminded us of an episode, Joel, that we did about a year ago. And Athanasios and Re- Rebecca brought this up in that it felt like Russia in that you have this whole, this exposure in and fund that's just gone. Like basically it's worthless even though it's a completely different situation, it's kind of the same. 
Athanasios. One thing that stuck out to me has been the the volumes that have kind of hit this. Like, obviously, there were some noteworthy investors. Uh, Bill Ackman comes to mind saying, like, hey, there's a fire sale happening here. That had the the all of the shares had already tanked by that point. It, was there a buying opportunity there? Yeah, I think people wanted to step in, maybe not on SVB specifically because it was halted, but I think they were using the ETF as a proxy. But um, while KRE is the focal point, now I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot about SVB before this. Like, did you know it's an S&P 500 company? So I think you're going to have this situation where it's going to start popping up in these ETFs that people didn't know. You're like, oh my God, it's in that ETF too. There's probably 100, 200 plus ETFs that hold it just because it was so well spread out. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to be surprised to see how far the reach is because it's going to be touching a lot of different ETFs. I mean, to the point on sort of buying opportunities and what you do, actually on ETF IQ uh, on Monday, Eric and I spoke to Eduardo Repetto, who's the CIO over at Avantis Investors. He manages the Avantis U.S. small cap value ETF. It has five and a half billion dollars. A lot of that is in banks. That's their top industry weighting. It's an actively managed fund. So we talked to him on Monday. And my question to him was, are you shifting around your allocations at all? Are you doubling down? Are you de-risking? Are you riding this out? And the answer that I got was just riding it out. You know, if you're managing a portfolio right now, you want to be you know, somewhat committed to your view. And that was what he said. And you look at what happened the rest of the week. It seems like that was an okay call. This situation reminded me of a mini version of 2008, as I said earlier. And I'll never forget when when I was uh, writing my first book on uh, the ETFs and I talked to Rob Arnott. PRF is a Rafi ETF that's fundamentally weighted. And it's not, it, it's a smart bait ETF, so it uses rules. And the rules saw that banks were cheap in early 2009. So this ETF rotated and had 50% bank stocks in 2009. No active managers would buy bank stocks. They were radioactive at that point. But that one trade produced alpha for that ETF for like 10 years. And some, like I think Ben Johnson from Morningstar, I think he's the one credited with this, called it the immaculate rebalance. So to Eduardo's point, you know, not only if, if especially as, as a quant as he is, you know, rotating into some of these really rough situations is where you pick up your return over the average. So it's just the question of, is it done? And that's obviously the big question. But certainly, I think opportunity is here, especially if the Fed and Biden have been pretty much vocal that they're not going to let any anything go wrong. We mentioned two banks here. We I think we neglected to mention the third, which is Silvergate, which was actually first and had a lot of crypto exposure. It's too many S's. I, all SI, funny enough, Ooh. right? So Silvergate, Silicon Valley Bank, and then- Don't run <laughs> a bank that starts with S. Or I, SI. But that—that uh, that was the Silvergate was the smallest of this. Was that in, in, in the ETFs, James? Uh, Silvergate was also an ETF, but a, a little bit less. But that's that's still trading, so you can still trade the equity on Silvergate. Um, it's it's winding down, but you can still you can still trade the equity on Silvergate. Okay. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at invesco.com/qqq. Invesco Distributors Inc. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, people who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. 
Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. I think if we have one, one area that saw a black eye here, it has to be ESG. Um, when you look at this, I looked at the holders of I'm shocked these words are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> I know I'm getting a reputation as ESG hater, but again, I'm not anti-ESG. I'm anti-nasty surprise. And this is a great teachable moment. I looked at the holders of SVB and the number one fund was a sustainable fund. And, I, and then I looked and 50 ESG ETFs and mutual funds hold this stock. So clearly this stock checked all the right boxes for ESG. The bigger point isn't that ESG messed up. This stock really satisfied its metrics. The bigger point is uh, ESG metrics and scoring high there doesn't necessarily mean the company's uh, doing well on in their books or, or is profitable. Those are two entirely different things. So it's, I think, a, maybe a little bit of a wake-up call. If you are an ESG investor, just know that there is a difference and that ESG might not catch this. And it doesn't really look at some of these metrics that, that this company had. It was really more concerned with those, again, ESG metrics and they, man, this company was like highly, highly rated on the ESG front. I mean, we debated this. I see his point. I don't, you know, I, I think it's a loose connection, ESG to, you know, the business management of the bank. But to Eric's point, ESG is an active decision, right? So it's really a teachable moment in that, you know, it's going to pop up in a lot of these ETFs. It's an active decision to be ESG or rate it based on these metrics. Yeah, it's got climate tech exposure. This <laughs> is great. Yeah. You know, so like you said, it's a teachable moment, but. To the point I was making before, it was in the S&P. It's going to get shoved yeah, into a lot it, of ETFs. I was going to say, I think that's a bigger teachable moment yeah. than just ESG, yeah. Eric, but uh, point taken. I, that's why we saved it for like the second half of the conversation. I said it was, it was less of an important point, but it's a story that Bloomberg News wrote. It's a story that I saw at Investment News. Another thing that was brought up here was, you know, last week we, had, we talked about the inverse Jim Cramer ETF. Cramer said people should buy this at $340 <laughs> about a month ago. 
I was wait. I I couldn't wait for us to talk about this because what what when we did our 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 segment our last segment, I I which was one of my favorites. I was like, oh my, this is like perfectly timed. But here's the thing, though, was SVB had SVB came out of his mouth at a moment that they could invest. No, it was too early. It was a month before the ETF launch. So mm. it was too back in the rearview mirror. So unfortunately, it missed it. Had it caught that, um, SGM would have started life on third base. I mean, th- this would have been a great moment. That said, even without that bet, SGM is still outperforming the S&P by about five percentage points in the first eight days of trading. It's off to a pretty good start. But yeah, that would have been an epic call. And that's why that ETF exists, is to try to catch a few of those grand slams uh, that he's capable of. So that's another sort of minor ETF angle on this. I wish this was in it because I think it'd be such a great case study because <laughs> they would have so little. They would have shorted it, right? And then I'm assuming they would have shorted it. And then the ETF was halted. So you'd have this situation where like they were right, but they couldn't actually like realize the position because it got halted to cover. So you have like this amazing case study that in is some in there. ways it may have worked out even yeah, better because right. it's like you get so, like the you know the press off of it but not yeah the exactly and they would it'd be sitting on this like massive gain and not being able to realize it. i think it'd just be like such an amazing case study there's one more very minor e- etf angle in the leveraged area so athanasios pointed this out there's two leveraged triple leveraged regional bank etfs if you're looking for some excitement i <laughs> mean these things are jacked up but one of them, the one that goes negative 3x closed, um, and it's one of those cases, we see this a lot, where an ETF is out for, say, five, six, seven years, and it just liquidates, and then its moment arrives like two years later or six months later even. And I got to imagine Direction's kicking themselves because that would have been a great ETF to play it. That said, the 3x long version, which is DPST, deposit, is still up, and people, the volume on that spiked, and people were shorting it to recreate a negative 3x position. So when you have a stock like this create waves and volatility, you attract the gambling trading crowd like crazy. It's like chum in the water. And so I'm not surprised the leveraged world got like uh, some love too. I am surprised that those ever existed though. Like They do seem too specific, but I guess this is why they, they thought a moment like this could happen. Eric, they knew. Eric, I'm curious. I, I know how much your dad loves leveraged ETFs. Was, were these ones that he reached out to you about? No. No, he, he's he's really, really just into betting on uh, college basketball and stuff. I don't think he's doing ETFs It's anymore. a good time for I that. I think he learned his lesson with TVIX. Yeah. The one thing we didn't talk about is the tickers. So, I mean, I, I must I must say I love the, the pairing of tickers. Oftentimes you get these leverage ETFs and they have really good tickers. And the, the 3X bull one is DPST, a play on the word deposit. And the 3X inverse was WDRW, a play on withdrawal. That's so uh, it was a, they were very they were very good tickers. The other thing I would say is I, I don't think Direction wanted to close WDRW. Um, they, they, they it was WDRW was part of that. Like there was like 80 leverage funds that had to close during March 2020 because volatility thresholds were broken. And there was issues with like be evil even being able to operate the ETFs. Um, so like this was part of that whole scenario. Um, but I'm sure they wish they had relaunched if they could have. Oh, it was part of the March 2020 wipeout of leveraged. That said, though, I would think the negative would have done. 
better and not been a risk. Whereas I don't know, I don't. I they, they probably could have lowered this inverse one to negative two x, and it would have satisfied. But I'm guessing there just wasn't enough interest at the time, and they were just like, this one we're just going to close because a lot of them they either lowered the leverage from three x to two x or even one x in some cases, or or they just closed them. And it looks like they closed the withdrawal ETF. Um, because like you said, it might've been too niche. So they left the bullish one open for whatever reason. Um, it had enough assets and interest, but they had to close this one. And Athanasios, uh, one note you wrote, which I thought is interesting, which is sort of a pivot from this, is that it wasn't just volume in KRE, volume in ETFs in general spiked on March 10th in a way that suggested a lot of fear out there. And you, just talk about your note where you say that this what you think is happening is bears are back in control of the market. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, that's where everyone goes towards the ETF first. But if you look at just ETFs as a percentage of total volume, you shot up to like 40%, which is really, really high. I mean, that's what we saw again during March. Um, so yeah. And for the, you know, for the first time, you know, we started knowing this last year, it was always been in favor of the inverse ETFs. They've always sort of outpaced long. And they were, the longs are actually starting to come back slowly, but this completely put it back into the favor of the shorts. So this was probably the f- biggest freakout moment we saw in a, probably since the Russia invasion of last year. So, uh, yeah, definitely just led to a lot of trading in all ETFs, not just the bank ones. So a freakout that became a situation. What is it going to be now? I mean... Just looking at flows and trading, people are still a little nervous. Um, they've been like that for a year. I don't think I've haven't seen really people jump in aggressively, but I think the bigger issue is why does all the bad stuff happen in March? <gasps> yes, right. I was talking about this like, with someone yesterday. It just seems like COVID. This the we're it? almost at the anniversary of the Fed's liftoff yeah. hike. Mars last yeah. March is Mars in retrograde. It might be. I mean, yeah. This is almost an Ides of March episode, and on that note, we will wrap. Katie, Athanasios, James, thanks so much for joining us on Trillions. Thanks for having us. Beware the eyes. Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weppershow. He's at Eric Falchunas. This episode of Trillions was produced by Magnus Hendrickson. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.